No, you tell it. No, you. I'm not telling it. You should totally tell it. <laughs> well, you should tell it. No, you tell it. No, You Tell It is a series that switches up the storytelling. So each performer writes a true life tale and then, switching with a partner, performs the other person's story, giving everyone involved the chance to share their own stories and experience someone else's. In celebration of Women's History Month, our first in-person show of 2022 featured four storytellers trading tales inspired by the theme, What I Know. When the healthcare system fails to provide information and resources on how to handle perimenopause, the narrator of our first tale takes matters into her own hands. Written by Julia Granacki and performed by Hannah Leland, here's No One Told Me. Julia, 10 years. You and I have both been doing this for 10 years. We sure have. Right. And what do you think has changed in the 10 years that you've done this process of No You Tell It? Well, I was saying earlier that I, I, I met my husband about 10 years ago, and he came to my first show. And he's out there watching, so. <laughs> he's taking advantage of the live stream. No, you tell it. Helping That's with right. dates, dates right. for forever. Um, Julia, you are a co-host of an amazing podcast called Circling the Drain with your co-host, Ellie Dvorkin, who is also in the audience. Um, this is an amazing podcast. I always feel um, slightly funny as the dude who recommends this podcast for everybody because it's about perimenopause um, and women in their 40s to 50s, right? Um, so Midlife. Sure. Uh, I, this is a great podcast. Everybody should listen to it. You learn so much, uh, just the wealth of people that you bring on the show. And in this podcast, you always ask a couple of questions at the end. And you ask women of a certain age what they would tell their 30-year-old self. Yes. yes. I would like to know, what would you tell your 12-year-old self? 12. Oh, my goodness. Um I think I would tell my 12-year-old self to not take everything so seriously. I was a very serious 12-year-old. I know people who know me out there, they're really shocked by that. Um, but uh, yeah, not to take myself too seriously. All right. A little At 12, I mean, that's, it was a teenager. Oh, my God. I've to journal a lot when you're 12. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, without further ado, we're going to hear No One Told Me, written by Julia Granacki, told by Hannah Leland. No One Told Me. I was bundled up, gloved up, and masked up at the grocery store, standing in line to place an order at the deli when I felt a strange sensation in my belly, a warmth I had never felt before. That warmth rose through my chest, widening into a red-hot laser beam shooting out the top of my head. I was suddenly and without warning drenched in sweat. In that moment, it took all of my self-control to not rip off my mask and clothing and run naked into the parking lot to bathe myself in the cool winter air. Then, as suddenly as this sensation arrived, it was gone. I took a tissue out of my purse and covertly lowered my soaking wet mask to wipe the sweat from my face. Oh my God, I thought. Did I just have a hot flash? But I'm only 44. Old crones have hot flashes. Not me. I'm too young for that. Fuck. I must have COVID. In the winter of 2020, like so many other people, I was caught off guard by some things I was unprepared to navigate. Depression, anxiety, and weight gain were just to name a few. 
COVID was the perfect shitstorm in that it offered a slew of undefined symptoms that we were learning about daily, where each hour one was made to wonder, do I have COVID or am I depressed? Do I have COVID or is it my allergies? Am I shitting myself because I have COVID or did I eat too many Cheez-Its? <laughs> in my case, I was thinking, I'm so hot and sweaty that my vagina feels like a swamp. I don't have a fever, but could this be COVID? When did I develop rosacea? Is this a COVID thing? I can't sleep at night and my anxiety is through the roof. Is this COVID-induced insomnia? I wanted to make an appointment to see a doctor, but during the first few weeks, even months of lockdown, this was impossible as offices weren't pivoting to telemed quite yet. So I was stuck doing my own research, going down the deep rabbit butthole of the internet, only to discover that I did not have COVID. I wasn't sick and I wasn't dying, but I was certainly suffering. I was suffering from perimenopause. Perimenopause, as defined by the Mayo Clinic, means around menopause and refers to the time during which your body makes the natural transition to menopause, marking the end of the reproductive years. The average time for perimenopause lasts about four to seven years, but could be as long as 14. You heard me right. 14 years. No one told me. No one told me that my midlife would be marked by the onset of depression, anxiety, weight gain, tit pain, brain fog, poor libido, and an inability to process and cope with stress, with no clear guidelines on how to navigate any of it, coupled with a pandemic. If the female species were a union, this is where I'd ask to file a complaint, a grievance for the lack of guidance and information provided to all women during such a vulnerable and confusing time. The fact is that people with penises have been deciding for years as to what is covered and not covered regarding women's health during a future doctor's medical education. Women's health is primarily viewed through the lens of reproduction and focuses on a woman's fertile years. Anything outside of that scope gets little to no attention. Luckily, I had a great doctor that I couldn't wait to see. The moment my gynecologist began seeing patients over telemed, I made my appointment. I was relieved to talk to her, not only because I was certain she would offer solutions, but I was excited to chat and see how she was doing. This doctor was someone I had grown to adore over more than a decade of care. She helped me navigate birth control, ovarian cysts, polyps, fibroids, and surgery. She was with me through boyfriends and breakups and marriage. I've known her longer than I've known my husband. When I logged into the session, I was happy to see her smiling face. She was seated in her office with the hang in there cat poster on the wall behind her. After we exchanged some pleasantries and got caught up on how we were coping with the pandemic, I explained to her what was going on. Instead of being met with a bevy of questions followed by options, her usual MO, I was met with a shoulder shrug and a sigh as my doctor asked, you might be starting menopause, but you're a bit young for that. Later, I would find this statement to be false. She then offered me a slew of meds, starting with the birth control pill, knowing that I had been on and off it for most of my adulthood, never really adjusting to it properly. Okay, well, how about an antidepressant, she asked. <laughs> but I'm not depressed. What about HRT? I've read that a lot of women respond well to it, I replied. You're too young for that. It's only offered to women in menopause. You could try some black cohosh, she said. What's that, I asked. A supplement, she said. Does it work? I asked. I've heard it can be helpful with hot flashes, she said. I rolled my eyes and thought, what is this, the 1700s? Is this all we have to offer? Supplements, snake oil, and ointments? I wanted to rip that stupid cat poster off the wall and shove it down her throat, screaming, you hang in there, bitch. 
Aggression is also a symptom of perimenopause. <laughs> Feeling there was no other real option, I reluctantly, I reluctantly followed her recommendation and started a low-dose birth control pill, and it made all my symptoms worse. However, I was committed, so I kept at it for three months because three months is somehow the magic number where things are supposed to work. In the end, my doctor agreed that this treatment was going nowhere and told me to stop taking the pill immediately, and that was that. No other solution was offered. No one told me to prepare myself for the following dumb fuckery. Number one, that the OBGYN I had been seeing for over a decade would have little to no interest in guiding me through the transition out of my fertile years. Number two, while some herbs and supplements have science-based evidence for the treatment of perimenopausal symptoms, black cohosh is not one of them, yet people keep offering it to women as a cure-all. Number three, the medical community still cannot get its facts straight about the safety and efficacy surrounding hormone replacement therapy and when it should be used. Feeling deflated, alone, and confused by this disappointing experience with my gynecologist, and the fact that it wasn't exactly a good time to start looking for a new doctor, I asked myself, what would a wise woman do? This is a mantra I always come back to when I'm faced with a difficult situation. It's meant to precipitate the realization that wisdom is innate, I started reaching out to like-minded women friends of the same age, and much to my surprise, we were all quietly experiencing a lot of the same issues. Many of them were offered antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, and addictive sleep aids as the first course of treatment, or they weren't offered anything at all and were met with a sort of, you'll get over it, reaction. No one told me to expect this kind of disappointment with doctors. When you ask a woman my age how they're doing, you rarely get the truth. In fact, even when a doctor asks a woman how they're doing, you rarely get the facts. It's not because the woman is trying to be deceitful, but we have been taught to pivot and cope so often that even when we're barely functioning, we say we're doing fine because that's our new normal. We adapt. We say to ourselves, this is my life now. No one told me about this quiet suffering and the devastating invisibility that can accompany midlife. This was when I got into witchcraft. The female reproductive system is part science and part magic. For example, luteinizing hormone triggers the release of the egg from the ovary. That's science. But did you know that women can sync their menstrual cycle to the cycle of the moon? That's pure magic. I wanted to know more about that side of things. I started by reading books and following practitioners on social platforms whose vibe reflected a loving connection to community and nature. I'm not sure when women decided that we are separate from the natural world instead of one with nature, but I really began to explore that concept. I started by learning the ritual of grounding. I might have even bought a crystal or five. In addition to my meditation practice, the ritual of grounding was really working for me, but I wanted more. Then one sleepless night, I was doom scrolling through Instagram, and I got sucked into a post about Hecate. Hecate is the chief goddess presiding over magic and spells. She is also called the triple goddess, representing all stages of a woman's life, maiden, mother, and crone. This concept rocked me. I was a maiden at one time for sure. I'm not a mother, but I firmly believe that motherhood is inherent in every woman and takes on many forms. Crone is where it gets tricky. For many, it has a negative connotation. You think old, withered lady living in a shack in the woods, or more realistically, your elderly neighbor with all the cats who keeps putting the trash out on the wrong day. 
Not many people think of the true crone, a mystical, powerful, wise woman. Back in the before four times, she would have been the shaman, the healer, the keeper of history through storytelling, the elder of the tribe and the person the community counted on for her knowledge. She appears in stories across the continents from Norse myth to, tr to traditional Cuban folklore, but her importance has been tragically forgotten. No one told me, but I promise you, these were the women we burned at the stake. It was rare to live past your 30s, let alone your 40s, so you know these bitches were definitely suffering from menopause and were probably murdered for giving out black cohosh. <laughs> Thus began my journey of tapping into my inner crone. Turns out she is pretty wise and fierce and she doesn't tolerate a lot of bullshit. When middle-aged women say they no longer care about what other people think, it's because they're tapping into their inner crone. With that, I shifted my wisdom mantra slightly and asked myself, what would the crone do? She would start by listening. I wanted to hear what other women were experiencing, and I wanted them to feel seen and heard. Next, my inner crone sought knowledge. Women are 50% of the population, damn it, and we need answers. There's a lot of contradictory information and research out there about perimenopause, but I read it all. Much like the storyteller and keeper of knowledge in the tribe, I wanted to share it with my community, and what better way to do that than start a podcast? <laughs> Lastly, I sought healing. My inner crone is a persistent bitch, and she drove me to find a doctor who would prescribe hormone replacement therapy, and I finally began to experience some relief. No one told me that this would be my midlife passion and mission. No one told me that there would be an entire community of women out there ready to build each other up. No one told me we had strength in numbers. No one told me I would embrace getting older and that I could tap into my inner crone. No one told me how much I would look forward to meeting her, to becoming her, to knowing her strength, magic, and wisdom. Switching it up, our second story takes us on a journey of exploring womanhood and femininity with all of the tension of expectations, reality, and identity in between. Here is Finally Arriving, Written by Hannah Leland and performed by Julia Granacki. So, Hannah, you are both a math teacher and a comedian. Yes. <laughs> what is so funny about math? <laughs> Nothing. That's why I have to do both. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have a favorite math problem? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, the quadratic formula is a, is a go-to. Standard, right? <laughs> yes, just kind of right off the top of my head, yeah. yeah. Um, so you are new to the Know You Tell It process, yeah. and it was great that you were paired with Julie, who's a three-time alum of being yeah. in this. What was surprising to you about entering into this process of a group of writers? I, um, I felt so supported by all the writers and the story directors throughout the whole process. And I definitely, everybody's advice helped me get my story to, to a point that I, I felt really proud of. Um, so I, I was expecting to feel supported, but I, I definitely was also pleasantly surprised by just how strong the community felt. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. And <laughs> here we are. Uh, next up, we have Finally Arriving, written by Hannah Leland, told by Julia Granacki. Finally arriving. At 13, womanhood was a bold horizon line in the foggy distance, and I ran towards it. 
Longing to be a woman full-fledged in her femininity, I made Bath and Body Works fragrance my beacon. In the middle school girls' locker room, I walked through perfume ghosts and waited for confidence to hit. Enchanted, twilight woods, warm vanilla sugar. I smelled amazing. But it wasn't enough. My limited two training bra was too big on me, but I was already itching to outgrow it. Have you ever cried because you're a 32A? It's very destabilizing. <laughs> One night, my mom came to my bedroom to say goodnight and found me torn up over my tiny tatas. Through tears, I asked her when my boobs were going to grow. And of course, my mom, big-breasted and big-hearted though she was, couldn't tell me. By freshman year of high school, my band size no bigger, I googled enhancement supplements. Fenugreek, milk thistle, wild yam. I was ready for any and all side effects. I needed to feel like a woman. I didn't end up buying anything, but those searches burned a hole in my Google history, marking a time when I imagined that being a woman meant what being a woman meant and felt to my distance from it. Today, 10 years and two new pronouns later, I feel the same distance, but I'm not scared anymore. Most of the trans narratives available to me as a young person chronicled someone's journey from self-hatred and discomfort to firm conviction and self-actualization. I love that for them, but these stories, much like the experiences of cis women, left me alone in my feeling of irresolution. As Cole, a trans character in ABC's hit family drama, The Fosters, says, at least I know myself. In the media, trans stories center certainty. And it makes sense. For a demographic whose identity is in constant question, certainty is a life raft. I remember watching YouTube videos of Jazz Jennings, the young trans vlogger, describe her lifelong attachment to womanhood. She cataloged a childhood affinity for girly garments and a constant sureness that she was a girl. Even then, before I'd entertained the notion I could become anything but a cis woman, I recognized that Jazz felt something I didn't. She knew something I didn't. She had arrived. I hadn't. Jazz's story and others like hers turned my bigger boobs expedition on its side. Jazz felt certain in her gender long before receiving any kind of gender-affirming surgery. As a teenager, looking up to Jazz meant understanding that the boobs don't make the woman. So, what was woman? And how could I tell if I had it? Though I wouldn't answer these questions for years, it's not like I spent the time in between feeling pain, despair, or even discomfort about my gender identity or expression. A lot of what I yearned for in middle school was self-confidence, pure and simple. I, I found it in many places. I wore platform heels to high school and purple converse to the women's march. Every part of my body always felt like mine, and I worked hard to treat my body as my home. But I hit a snag in December of 2019. Getting dressed for a winter gala at Barnard College, 
I realized that the idea of wearing a dress put a pit in my stomach, and that the idea that I didn't want to wear a dress caused me significant distress. All of a sudden, I was hanging on the edge of a cliff. What would happen if I get to go, if I let go of the feminine tools that had always felt inextricable from my identity? Who would I be? For the first time, I leaned into the uncertainty instead of away from it. I let myself wonder about myself without any assumptions. The final piece of the puzzle clicked into place about a year later. Over disgusting espresso martinis, I confided in a non-binary friend. Well, how do I know for sure, I asked. How can I tell? I was waiting for a message in a bottle to tumble out of the ocean. I was waiting for a trans flag to fall out of the sky and engulf me. I was waiting for the sorting hat to say Gryffindor. No, wait, this one's gender non-conforming. My friend pointed out that if I was waiting for these things, I wanted them to happen. And if I wanted them to happen, it was true. I had arrived. Today I'm a high school math teacher and students use they pronouns when referring to me. I'm teaching TikTok era kids with their finger on the pulse. I'm teaching trans kids who show up to monthly LGBT affinity club meetings and sit quietly. I can't make these kids like math, but maybe I can help them feel seen and then maybe they'll do their geometry homework in the name of queer community and allyship. <laughs> Embracing my non-binary gender identity has made it easier to enjoy the moments when I do feel like a woman. When I get just a little drunk on a Thursday when I solve the daily crossword, when I wear a blazer to an interview, when I inspire the female students in my math class, when I keep a secret. Womanhood and femininity run through me like rivers. These days, my perfume is more subtle, musk, rose, orange peel. I dot small circles on my wrists, behind my ears, between my 32A boobs. Now I know they are the right size. I know that my gender identity and expression are in constant flux. And I know that my body is not a mirror of these things, but a vessel for them, like how a cup can hold any kind of juice. I used to long for the day that I'd arrive at my gender, that I'd close the gap between me and the horizon. Now. I know I have arrived, and that I'll continue to arrive over and over again. The horizon, as it turns out, is not a bold line at all, but an unfolding world, infinite in its possibilities and in its mystery. That's it. Thanks for joining us for this installment of No, You Tell It. Visit us on the web at knowyoutellit.com.